Hey, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Syracuse Sports Podcast. I'm Brent Dax. How'd you get here? Did you find us on Syracuse.com? Awesome. Did you find us, say, on social media? That's really cool. But I bet a bunch of you are listening this way, and this is the best way to ensure you get the fresh new episodes of the Syracuse Sports Podcast. Hey, subscribe. You can do it in iTunes. You can do it in Google Play. Just search Syracuse Sports Podcast, hit the subscribe button, and you're all set. When a new episode is up, it gets sent right to you, and you can listen on demand. Two things in focus today on the Syracuse Sports Podcast. One is a conversation that I have with Syracuse offensive lineman Sam Heckel. Sam has one heck of a story to tell, no pun intended there. He has a rare blood disease. How rare is it? Well, at one point, doctors felt he had the last documented case of this disease in the entire United States of America. It's literally a one in a million shot that you get this rare blood disorder, which is known as TTP. Sam's going to tell me how he fights through it, how he manages to be an athlete at a Power 5 school, let alone a football player, let alone an offensive lineman, given the demands of that position. What is the treatment like? How rare is the disease? How did he deal with it as a kid? And we'll talk a little football, too. The upcoming Syracuse University football season, what the expectations are, and how fierce the competition's going to be on the offensive line. A little bit of a programming note for those of you listening here on the Syracuse Sports Podcast. We're going to take the next couple of weeks off. We will return the week of August the 6th. So for those of you looking for new episodes the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be taking a little time off. I hope you get to enjoy some time off yourself this summer. And that kind of leads me to my next point. Bayheim's Army is back. Bayheim's Army very quickly has become a staple of summer programming. Now, there's always something to talk about in sports. It always bugs me when people in my industry say, ah, oh, it's a slow day, there's nothing to talk about. There's always something to discuss in sports. But certainly, the river flows a little faster sometimes than it does, say, in the summertime, in the sports world. Things do tend to slow down enough, particularly this week. You have the baseball all-star game. The ESPY awards are out there. There's some summer basketball leagues that are gaining attention, like the Big Three and like the basketball tournament and Bayheim's Army. It's amazing to see how this event has captured the hearts of basketball fans and sports fans around the country in just a few years, having a, at first, $1 million prize, now $2 million prize on the line certainly helps. The annual reunion that we get every summer, in the case of Bayheim's Army, former Syracuse University basketball players chasing that $2 million prize has become amazing to watch. This year's Bayheim's Army squad put together once again by general manager Kevin Belby and led by head coach Ryan Blackwell, could certainly have the best shot of winning that $2 million prize than any team in the short history of TBT. Eric Devendorf comes back. It's been amazing to see Devo still got game, and he's still got that aggressive snarl on the court that Syracuse fans loved and Syracuse opponents loved to hate. John Gillen returns on Bayheim's Army. He only spent one year at Syracuse, but provided one of the great memories Syracuse basketball fans have ever seen, the bank shot to beat Duke. Gillen had one heck of a basketball tournament last year. He's looking to prove himself, if not at the NBA level, certainly at the NBA G League level, and he's a welcome addition back, somebody who's just fresh off the court 
and is as aggressive as any player you'll see out there. Chris Joseph makes his return back to Bayheim's Army, who's had plenty of success in overseas basketball. And then there's Demetrius Nichols, who's established himself on the international circuit and frankly is one of the better pro basketball players at any level that Syracuse has out there. His sweet stroke from the outside and ability to score will be a welcome addition to Bayheim's Army. As will the big man in the middle, Orense Anawaku, AO, fresh off of a great run in the Philippines, is ready to contribute to Bayheim's Army. Now, General Manager Kevin Belby and I talked about this on my radio program. There's been two big men that he's been coveting for this team. One is Rakeem Christmas, and the other is AO. Well, Orense Anawaku gets a shot to help Bayheim's Army. You got James Sutherland back, who, along with John Gillen, led a huge comeback for Bayheim's Army last year in one game. They were down. 20 points and came back and won and got so close to that $2 million prize. Brandon Trish, a Syracuse staple, a Central New York-born player out of JD, he's back. And Hakeem Warwick, who provided the best memory in Syracuse basketball history with the soaring block to beat Kansas in the 2003 National Championship team. That is a squad right there. Now, overseas elite is the team to watch in the basketball tournament and the team that knocked out Syracuse a year ago after a Final Four run in TBT. So Syracuse's best shot at the $2 million prize is certainly going to be something to watch, reliving the Syracuse memories, and the best real-life version of a Syracuse basketball fantasy team put together every year at TBT. That's all going to be great. But there's one thing in particular that I'll be watching closely and I'm sure fans will enjoy in the basketball tournament. We saw a bit of it last year, but now it's the standard. Are you familiar with the Elam ending? So here's how the Elam ending is going to work. Are you sick of all the fouls that are called at the end of basketball games, turning four minutes of clock time into reality, about 14 minutes of real time? That goes away in the basketball tournament. Here's what happens. After the first dead ball, after the four-minute mark in the fourth quarter, the game clock shuts off. A target score is put on the scoreboard. So what they do is they add seven points to the leading team's score. And the first team to reach that target score wins. So let's say the score is 73 to 68. You add seven to that 73. And the first team to score 80 wins the game. What you've done is essentially guarantee a walk-off ending for every game in the basketball tournament. It's different, it's innovative, it's fun, and it eliminates the slog of fouls that can be called at the end of a basketball game. It's going to be fascinating to see which teams can take advantage of it and which teams will be burned by it. So good luck to Bayheim's Army, which has become the best thing to watch in the summer. Well, other than my Red Sox going for the World Series. Now, my conversation with Syracuse offensive lineman Sam Heckel, who's got an amazing story to tell about overcoming a rare blood disease, an event at Syracuse University. If you're listening to this before it happens on Friday, July 20th at Manly Fieldhouse, I highly encourage you to go. It's called Lift for Life with from the Syracuse chapter of Uplifting Athletes. And the mission of Uplifting Athletes is to raise money and awareness for rare diseases. And Sam Heckel has as rare a disease as it gets. Here's my conversation with the Orange offensive lineman. So we are here with Sam Heckel of the Syracuse football team. And Sam, uh, you know, you and I were talking a little bit before we started recording. I mean, it's here. Football season is here. Training camps 
uh, just around the corner here. You get a little time to take a breather before things get underway. But, uh, you know, what are you thinking with, with the season just uh, knocking on the door here? You know, we've been, we've been working our butts off all summer, and you know, it's just we're at the point where we just want to throw some pads on and see all, if all this hard work has paid off. Which it will because we've been we've been working really hard this summer. What do you do in those summer <laughs> workouts? Give us a little uh, look behind the curtain there. Uh, you know, uh, it's keeping it as vague as possible. We, well, for an offensive lineman, our running in the morning is, you know, usually not the most fun thing in the world. Uh, and then we then we go in the weight room, and a lot of us bigs, uh, we're in this group called Big Blue, which has a lot of alignment in it, and we. Squat heavy, bench heavy, and clean heavy every day. So we've been making a lot of gains in the weight room too. So you're ready to put some pads on, hit some other people, and get into those formal practices. But oh, yeah. how do you feel the, the camaraderie with the team has been, the workouts have been through the summer? You know, how has that really gone? Is it, is it a real opportunity for you guys to get together and kind of bond and get ready for the season? This this summer has actually done wonders for the O-line and uh, the com- camaraderie and stuff because we meet every day do field work, watch film. Uh, you know, we run every, basically every morning. We're, we're together all summer. So I think that the amount of time that we're together, uh, it's, it's inevitable that we're just stronger. We have a stronger bond between each other, and I think uh, we have great chemistry. This offensive line coming in this year, Sam, is, is pretty unique in, in that it's one of the more experienced offensive lines Syracuse has had you know, in, in a long time. And you know as well as anybody how that line's got to be in unison and how they, they've got to really work together well. So how has, you know, this offseason gone there? Maybe go back to spring a little bit. And how do you feel about the, the unit kind of collectively and what you guys can do uh, coming in? This is year three of Dino Babers and that high-octane offense. Do you mm-hmm. kind of feel comfortable? Do you guys feel like you can really, you know, I want to say take a step forward, but, boy, we've seen some high scoring marks and a lot of records set the past couple of years. So what's really the next step for you guys? The next step is, is like you said, we just uh, being being one unit um, and being closely bonded is really what we need. Uh, with Kavanoff coming in, our, our new O-line coach, he's really helped with our technique. Uh, the playbook, we all know the playbook. I mean, we run a ton of plays each day and go over them so it, it's like looking at the back of my hand so I know that um, and you know it's just we, we've got some stuff to work on in the summer but I, I feel like we are coming in strong. You know you've got a, a quarterback in Eric Dungey who is a senior and has been setting records left and right here and people are certainly familiar with it and you know he's really one of the leaders of this team as, as you would attest to but Unfortunately, he hasn't been able to stay healthy the past couple of years. So I would imagine that's something that he wants to do this year. And you know, when you're out there protecting a quarterback like Eric, what's that like? Because he likes to take some chances. He likes to make plays. He's as aggressive as we've seen. I got that image in my head of him, you know, drop kicking a guy on the field last year. What's it like to go out there and lead the way for somebody who's almost as aggressive <laughs> as you guys are up front? I mean, Eric. Eric is an incredible athlete. Uh, I mean, one of the best I've ever seen. And you know, his leadership is 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 unreal on our team right now. Especially, you know, he's uh, finishing first in the runs. You know, he's he's gaining a lot of muscle too I mean that dude outworks anyone and I think that the fact that he lays it out as much as we do for the team uh, in terms of his body and stuff I feel like that shows a lot of heart for us and he knows 
Uh, O-lineman isn't the most flashy position ever, but he knows that we are trying trying our hardest to to protect him and be his unit. So You know, on one hand, you've got Eric, who's been around for a few years, and he's a senior leader, and people really know about him. On the other hand, you've got a, a player that a lot of people are intrigued by, and, and, and the youngster, Tommy DeVito. What have been your impressions of him and how he's kind of come in and, and made an impression? Uh, Tommy, Tommy's been a great athlete, too. I mean, he's a hard worker. Uh, and, I mean, during spring, in the beginning, I was we, I was taking snaps with him with, uh, at center, too, when I was at guard. Uh, and, you know, having the center center quarterback bond is – you can't get that anywhere else. Um, and I used to play center freshman year and towards the end of camp. And Tommy's, Tommy's been uh, also working hard. And, you know, he – yeah, he's just like Eric, honestly. Maybe you guys haven't discussed this yet, but, you know, kind of coming into the season, you know, an obvious goal from somebody on the outside looking in for me would be like, let's make a bowl game. Is that maybe a, an attainable goal for the team? Do you have a goal in mind? Is has that been discussed yet, or do you think that'll kind of, you know, come out in, in discussions in training camp and as we get closer to the season? The only thing I don't like about uh, the whole bowl talk is I feel like it just it gives us limitations to what we can achieve. Uh, obviously, uh, our goal is to win the national championship uh, every year, so. I don't want to. I don't want to limit the team to just six games or whatever. Um, you got to take it one week at a time. And your impression so far of ACC football? Because you guys pulled off that upset against Clemson last year. You've beaten Virginia Tech. You've seen the highs. You've seen the lows. You've seen everything in between. And you know the ACC has really stepped up in recent years. Because when people talk about the toughest conferences in college football, they talk about the SEC. You're from Wisconsin. You know, the Big Ten always comes up in that conversation. But I think the ACC has really held its own in the past couple of years here. What have been your impressions about, you know, what it takes to succeed in this league in particular? You know, playing as a redshirt uh, freshman is always tough <clears throat> starting out. But I feel like Aaron and I held our own, and uh, we really grew as players. Uh, but, you know, the conferences, I mean, every week is going to be hard, uh, no matter what team you play. There's going to be talent everywhere, and that's it's just been in the beginning. It was hard to be become accustomed to the talent, um, but then again, uh, this is Dino's third year, so it takes a while to implement such a powerful offense uh, and implement their their goal as they, as coaches. So I, th- I believe this third year is is where it starts to. Uh, finally click. So tell me what you're thinking coming into this season, what your personal goals are. And I mean, last year, you know, you 41 knockdowns, played over a thousand snaps and did all that fighting through, you know, a condition that you have that we're going to discuss here momentarily. So what are your personal goals for this year? What what do you want to do to, to step forward as a player? The competition this uh, summer is going to make everyone better on the O-line, which I love. Uh, and it makes all of us versatile because we're going to have to learn all the interior guys are going to have to learn all three positions. So um, I really like uh, where we're headed in the summer with having three great guards coming in. And um, my goals for for the summer, though, are are to um, just get better at my technique. I struggled a little bit in the past game. Uh, being from Wisconsin, I kind of grew up in the run game, not the pass game. So uh, just my, my goal is to become a, a better uh, offense alignment in terms of technique. I got to ask you about that because you mentioned you're from Wisconsin. 
and it seems like Wisconsin is like the best state in the union to grow offensive linemen. It's incredible to see how many great offensive linemen have come out of that state, not just at the University of Wisconsin, although they're certainly noted for it, all over the place. What is it with offensive linemen in Wisconsin? What's in the water there? What's in the water? I, I don't get it either, honestly. I mean, you really do like only see offensive linemen come out of the state, you know. The talent is Wisconsin. It's it's just it's not like tech, like down south or anything. But I don't even know how to answer that question about how so many offensive linemen come out of Wisconsin. Offensive linemen come out of Wisconsin, but yeah, it's just I think it's just a mindset we have. You know, the stereotypes already set, so we have to be that. Just keep it all right? Yeah. Sam, uh, there's an event here uh, Friday for those listening on the podcast. If you're listening before it happens, you should go to this. It's a real cool thing. It's called the Lift for Life. It's part of Uplifting Athletes. And it's uh, Friday, July the 20th, and it's at Manly Fieldhouse. We're actually uh, sitting in here doing this interview in Manly where the event is going to be. And it's a cool thing because it's a good opportunity for fans to come see you guys do some some cool events, kind of cap off you know, your summer program before training camp starts, and it raises money for a terrific cause. And what it does raise money for is for, you know, people that have rare diseases. And that's something that you can speak to. So there was an incredible story on Qs.com about you, Sam, and you have a rare blood disorder. So I'm going to ask you to pronounce this because there's no way I can do it. So, it's, so let's do it once, and then we'll refer to it to its shorter name. But tell me about the condition that you have. So most people call it TTP or congenital TTP, but uh, which I usually say because uh, the real name is congenital thrombotic thrombocytopenia purpura, uh, which is a rare blood disorder that affects uh, the blood of my body because I don't produce an enzyme called Adams TS-13, which uh, basically uh, supports your immune system. And without it, uh, my platelet counts drop. I get very sick easily, and I'm very vulnerable to illnesses, etc. cetera. So. so every few weeks, you've, you've got to do a treatment for this. Yes. Tell me about what that treatment's like. Uh, treatments are Sunday mornings, my off day, uh, 8 a.m. I go in there. I get set up with an IV, talk to my doctors, but prior, it's all at Golisano, so, and I'll be going to that children's hospital until I graduate, so that's a little little tidbit there, Um, but I get in there at 8, get the IV, get pre-meds, plasma, I get a plasma transfusion, so I get plasma, which has to be run at a slow rate because, ironically, I'm uh, allergic sometimes two fresh frozen plasma so um i have to take pre-meds prior run it at a slow rate and the process takes about it could take anywhere to 14 to maybe sometimes it's taking a full day wow 14 hours on average probably so how do you have this disease have to go through this treatment and play college football i mean that's demanding of somebody that's in, in top shape let alone somebody who's you know got a challenge like you do I was I was thinking about that the other day, and I kind of just it's it's a part of I mean I've had it all my life, so it's kind of a part of my life. Uh, college football is a little different than high school football in terms of school and football, and it, it is difficult. Um, you know, the Mondays after the day after my treatment are are just they're just terrible, honestly. But I'm so used to it that I try my best to uh, just 
do whatever we're supposed to do. So, I mean, I had a, my treatment this past Sunday, uh, and on Monday, I got out probably around 2 or 3 a.m., just took a little longer. Um, and my strength coaches are great with it, uh, and so are my coaches. Uh, so we rescheduled for a little later so I could get some sleep in before we run and lift. I was so. going to say, something like this, Sam, takes a very <laughs> understanding coaching staff. Right. And when you were playing high school football in Wisconsin and, and, a, and a top-rated offensive lineman in a state, as we mentioned, that produces a lot of great players, you were pretty upfront with coaches about this condition and what it would take for you to, to play college football. And you found an accepting coach in Dino Babers, and as you mentioned, the staff is – you know, giving you a lot of support. You know, it's got to feel good that you've got somebody at a high-level Power 5 program like this that's like, hey, we get it, we want you here, and we're going to do everything we can to help you. Yeah, I mean, I I can't thank the staff more for letting me have an opportunity uh, with my with my illness. Um, you know, it, it's, it's a risk for coaches still uh, because it's so rare and so, so unpredictable because no, no one really has this. Uh, you know, and not much research is going to get done with no funds for it. But I mean, they they took a risk. They're very uh, compliant with everything that I have to do, and I communicate with the trainers and the team doctor, and we're running real smooth right now. Sam, you mentioned this is a, a rare condition. I think we need to really tell people how rare this is. It's it's literally one in a million, in a sense, right? Like, give us a sense of how rare TTP is. Um, so I think it was in high school. I was talking to my doctor when I was actually, it's finally mature enough to talk about what I have. Um, I was talking to my doctor and he, he was telling me it was believed that I was the last, uh, diagnosed case of it. And I was, I was probably 15 maybe. So like at all period. Yeah. Wow, in, the, in the U S the last documented case. I mean, it could be, there might be a few here and there, but in reality, like, like you said, one in a million are affected. It's, I don't know anyone that has it, so it's, it's that rare. And, and you mentioned it's so rare that unfortunately not a lot of money will be put into it because there's just not enough people you right. know, in the country that, that have it. But something like Lift for Life and Uplifting Athletes, at least can not only raise money for this, but raise awareness of it. Yes, it's a rare disease, but people have it, including mm-hmm. somebody that, that I'm talking to right now. So is that why you're, you're kind of getting involved with uplifting athletes to let people know that, sure, there's a lot of amazing causes out there for diseases that may be more you know, mainstream, for lack of a better term. But then there's people like you that have conditions like, hey, we need help too, and, and you know, we, we'd right. like to raise awareness for something like this. Right. I've, I mean, I've accepted... There- I don't. I don't believe that there will be a cure for this, but I, I'm okay with that. Uh, it's treatable, and you know the reason. A huge reason why I feel obligated to take the role in this organization is to raise money for people that don't don't have suitable treatment. Even I can. I get treatment, and I'm I'm living, so that's good. But other kids don't have the opportunity with such low funds and stuff. Uh, companies just don't want to make new medicine if they're going to lose a ton of money. So that's where we come in to try and supplement that. I read that at one point, this was something that, you know, 90% of people, that was the mortality rate mm-hmm. for this. Now it's down to 15% because you mentioned the strides have been taken and it is treatable. There's no 
cure for it, but it sounds to me like this is as treatable as it's ever been. So that's got to be encouraging that if there is more people out there that unfortunately get inflicted with this, at least it sounds as, you know, awful as those treatments could be and as exhausting as they can be, at least it's at a manageable, treatable right. level. Right. So, yeah, I mean, with the with the plasma therapy, it's I've it drops substantially from 90%. I mean, it's kind of crazy to think if I don't get a treatment, which is, I look at as just going to the hospital, like I have a 90% chance I could die uh, probably within the year or so. That's kind of crazy to me to think how much uh, we've changed and how to treat congenital TTP. Um, yeah, it's, it's actually crazy because when I was in second grade, I they didn't know what to do. Um, not not in, earlier than that, but now that we're on my uh, schedule of three weeks, which is calculated by my doctors of the amount of time that I'm off, um, everything's fine. But before, they didn't know to have a regular schedule of treatments. Yeah, if you don't mind me asking about that. So th- this was in the story on Qs.com. So in second grade, you know, you had a situation going on. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it's the human body needs about 200,000, a count of 200,000 platelets. Or, or above, yeah. Or above. And you were down to 6,000, and we're yeah. going into kidney failure. And, you know, the doctors, you know, basically, you know, felt like maybe you could die they, at that point. Uh, yeah, I only, I realized this probably about a year ago, and my sister talked to me about it, but they the reason why I went on the make-wish is because I wasn't supposed to make it. It wasn't, they... They didn't really, like, they didn't think I was going to make it at all. They thought that was going to be it because I was, I didn't, I didn't get it, but I was super sick that probably three weeks span. Uh, I couldn't walk, couldn't get out of bed, could barely eat, I couldn't go to the bathroom because my kidneys were failing, and it was just, it's, it's mind blowing that that happened in my life and I'm here now so so that make-a-wish trip you went to Hawaii right <laughs> yep and you go to Hawaii and, and you come back and it, it seemed like things out you're here we're talking and you're playing college football but it mm-hmm. seems like maybe that was a was that a, like a turnaround point did things start to happen after that or uh, what, what was what was I mean, that trip like and returning from it and, and where you went from there so in the mind of my second second grade self I thought going to Hawaii was the coolest thing ever paid for I didn't get what Make-A-Wish was at the time so I just thought it was a vacation uh, and looking back on it now I'm like holy crap like Hawaii was supposed to be like my last hurrah uh, and it's just I don't know I've, n- I've never really like said that out loud you know so it's all new to me right now too so well, I appreciate you sharing that with us yeah. and you're here and we're talking and now you're raising awareness for rare diseases like you have and and others out there so live for life it's it's i think it's a cool opportunity for fans to come see you guys do something a little different and as we mentioned raise money and raise awareness for these things so (laughs) if we come to the event which if you're listening before it it's friday july the 20th at manly fieldhouse what kind of things are we going to see out there uh so we have nine teams uh we are going to have four relay races on the field um uh, and then after, well, we'll do those drills. It'll be tire flipping and slide pull push, uh, pushing and pulling and things things of that nature. Uh, and then the two finalists 
uh, we'll do a tug of war uh, challenge, uh, which is traditional here. We always do tug of war for the two winners. So, so it's just it's a good way for the fans to come out, get connected with uh, our team, uh, and also uh, become aware of rare disease too. So and raise some money and some awareness, as you Absolutely. said. And I was talking to a Kylan Whitner earlier <laughs> this week, Sam, and he said there was a draft. Yeah. for this event. So absolutely, uh, did you get to draft, or were you drafted? Oh, I was. I, I drafted. Absolutely. What kind of um, what kind of squad you got? I got a great squad. Kylan thinks he's got the winning team. I don't think he does. I don't. <laughs> I mean, I got I got Coda Martin, new alignment. The key is to pick the good bigs. So I got Coda Martin. I got uh, Jonathan Kingsley. Um, I mean, those are my bigs, including me. So I, some power I, mean, I think I have a I have a good chance. The skill guys. I mean. They're all, you know, they're all, they're all the same. It's about the bigs. So. <laughs> well, Sam, I, I wish you the best of luck with that event. I wish you the best of luck in, in being, you know, kind of a, a spokesman for uplifting athletes, the Syracuse chapter. Certainly wish you luck this upcoming season. And can't thank you enough for sharing your story with us here on the Syracuse Sports Podcast. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's great, to, great to be on. Well, that's it for the Syracuse Sports Podcast this week. We really thank you for listening. And again, programming reminder, we're going to be off the next couple of weeks, but you'll see us pop back the week of August the 6th. We remind you to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play so you get a new episode of the Syracuse Sports Podcast when it's available. Enjoy the summertime. We'll talk to you again soon here on the Syracuse Sports Podcast. I'm Brent Axe.